Brett Kavanaugh fights back with alacrity. Lindsey Graham shows his teeth and Republicans push forward with Kavanaugh's nomination. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Well, when last we left our story on our podcast yesterday, I was very downbeat on the possibility of Brett Kavanaugh getting on the court because we recorded the podcast directly after Ford's testimony, but before Kavanaugh actually got to testify. Today, we'll get into Kavanaugh's testimony, the overall effect of yesterday and what comes next. We'll get into all of that. But first, let's talk about your impending death. So I know you think all this politics stuff really matters a lot, and it does matter a lot. I mean, it makes a difference to your life, but at some point here, you're going to plot, and then you're not going to care about politics anymore. In fact, you may not care about much of anything anymore, but one thing that you'll wish is that you had gotten some life insurance, and your family mostly is going to wish that you'd done that so they could pay for your expensive funeral. I mean, go check it out right now at policygenius.com. Right now, Policy Genius compares quotes from a top life insur- from all the top life insurance companies to find the best policy for you. It takes just two minutes to get a quote. Some 40% of Americans don't have life insurance, which is idiotic since we're all going to plot. If you don't know the first thing about insurance, they've got all the tool- tools you need to get you up to speed. Learn the difference between term and whole life insurance. Calculate how much coverage you need. Be sure you're making the right decision. In fact, over 4 million people have used Policy Genius to shop for insurance. Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They also compare disability insurance, home insurance, and auto insurance. If you care about it, they can cover it. So whether you know a lot about life insurance or nothing at all, start your search at policygenius.com. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes. Make sure your family is taken care of. Policy Genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. All righty, so... The big news, obviously, the continuing fallout from the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. The Senate Judiciary Committee today voting on Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. Senator Jeff Flake has said that he will vote in favor of Brett Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court. It looks all but assured that Kavanaugh will enter the court. It looks also like some Democrats are going to be peeled along with some Republicans. That means Joe Manchin of West Virginia, maybe Heidi Heitkamp from North Dakota. It looks like Brett Kavanaugh probably ends up on the Supreme Court by early next week, which is as it should be. Because yesterday, Christine Blasey Ford gave testimony about what allegedly happened to her 36 years ago at a party. Not a single witness she has named has verified her story from the party. Brett Kavanaugh denied it entirely. And Kavanaugh was extraordinarily fiery in his denunciation of how the committee had handled its business, which is perfectly appropriate. Remember, these accusations first came about July 30th. Senator Dianne Feinstein of California saw them. She did nothing. She didn't report them to the FBI. She didn't start an investigation. She didn't do anything. She didn't ask Brett Kavanaugh a question, nothing. Instead, she just sat on this stuff for weeks and weeks and weeks and at the very last minute launched the allegation in an attempt to push this entire sham hearing beyond the election. That's all the Democrats want here. When Democrats say that they want an FBI hearing, they want an FBI investigation, what they really mean is they want a months long FBI investigation that pushes them beyond the Senate election in the desperate hope that Republicans will lose the majority in the Senate and then Democrats will hold a seat open until 2021 when they hope President Trump is defeated by Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren. That was their big plan here. It didn't happen yesterday and it mostly didn't happen because Brett Kavanaugh fought back. He fought back by really coming out strong. And we'll get to the media response to all of this, the Democratic response, which is just egregious and disgusting. But we begin with Brett Kavanaugh's actual comments yesterday. Brett Kavanaugh started by saying that his life has been destroyed by the committee, has been destroyed by allegations without a scintilla or iota of corroborative evidence. As was predictable, and as I predicted, my family and my name have been totally and permanently destroyed by vicious and false additional accusations. The 10-day delay has been harmful to me and my family, to the Supreme Court, and to the country. Okay, so he is exactly right about all of that. 
And this hearing was turned into a farce. As he made clear, he said, "This you guys have replaced advice and consent, which would be all about the political views of my judicial philosophy. And you've replaced that with search and destroy, an attempt to destroy my life, destroy my family. And Brett Kavanaugh is exactly right about this. The reason this resonated with so many conservatives is for, there are really a couple of reasons. One, the Me Too movement has been militarized into an allegation is made, we destroy your life. Not proof of an allegation, not multiple allegations, not credibility of an allegation, none of that. An allegation is made, we destroy your life. A mildly credible allegation is made, your life is over. And there are a lot of people, conservatives and non-conservatives, who are looking around and saying, that could happen to literally anyone. I was talking to a female friend last night, somebody who's led a pretty rough life, actually, and she was talking to me about the fact that such accusations could be leveraged against anyone, literally anyone. I'm, as I've said before, the cleanest person in American public life when it comes to matters sexual. Okay, but at one point, I went over to this woman's house with her husband for, for dinner. She said, you know, what I could say theoretically is I, you that my husband left the room for a minute and you tried to make a move on me, right? Anybody can say anything about anyone at any time. Now, I'm not saying that Christine Blasey Ford, the accuser in this case, is completely making up the story. I don't think that she's completely making up the story. I do think that it's quite possible that her memory is wrong. But regardless, you need some sort of corroborative evidence. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to discuss why it's so necessary to have corroborative evidence for these sorts of allegations. That's reason number one why so many people are uncomfortable with what's happening here. Reason number two why so many people are uncomfortable with everything that is happening here is because for years and years and years, Republicans have been ripped as racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes. They have been ripped as everything that is wrong with society, everything that is wrong with the world. And Brett Kavanaugh seems like, and his record shows him to be, a fundamentally decent person. There is not a hint, not a not the mildest reference to any sort of serious misbehavior over the course of his life until two minutes before he was supposed to be confirmed for the Supreme Court. And a lot of conservatives went, somebody has to stand up in the face of this. Somebody has to say no to this sort of character assassination. And Brett Kavanaugh did that yesterday, and it resonated with people. It also resonated because Brett Kavanaugh wasn't just angry and righteously indignant. Brett Kavanaugh demonstrated a fundamental decency even in the midst of his anger. So here was some of his anger talking about replacing advice and consent with search and destroy. This confirmation process has become a national disgrace. The Constitution gives the Senate an important role in the confirmation process. But you have replaced advice and consent with search and destroy. And of course, he's exactly right about that. The the moment that really made this happen for Kavanaugh that really saved his nomination, I don't even think was him coming out so strongly against the committee, which was perfectly appropriate. It was when he talked about his own family and he talked about his daughter because this was the moment when I think a lot of people looked at Brett Kavanaugh and they said, okay, it's not, the, the anger is not fake. The hurt and the pain and the, and the rage that he must feel are enormous. And yet this is a guy who has the decency to talk about with his daughter what was going on. And his daughter has the decency to pray for the woman who's accusing her father, in his view, wrongly and, and falsely of attempting to rape her 36 years ago. I intend no ill will to Dr. Ford and her family. The other night, Ashley and my daughter, Liza, said their prayers. And little Liza, all 10 years old, said to Ashley, we should pray for the woman. It's a lot of wisdom from a 10-year-old. Okay, all of this really did save Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. Now, what happened next is that Lindsey Graham came into the room. And 
to understand how monumental this was, you have to understand who Lindsey Graham is. The senator from South Carolina is not exactly known for being a firebrand. That is putting it mildly. Lindsey Graham is about as milk toast a human being as it is possible to find on planet Earth. It's one of the reasons why the Republican base has never been fond of Lindsey Graham. They've always thought of Lindsey Graham as the very soft-spoken gentleman from South Carolina who sort of wanted to go along to get along with the other side of the aisle. He voted in favor of the nominations of Sonia Sotomayor for the Supreme Court. He voted in favor of the nomination of Justice Elena Kagan for the Supreme Court. This is a guy who has a reputation for bipartisan work. Well, he came into the hearing room, the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing room yesterday, and he launched into what is going to be seen as one of the great all-time Senate speeches, really. I mean, this is one that people are going to remember for quite a while. He launched into Democrats, and he said they have destroyed the entire process here, and it is disgusting what they have done to this man. What you want to do is destroy this guy's life, hold this seat open, and hope you win in 2020. You've said that, not me. You've got nothing to apologize for. This is the most unethical sham since I've been in politics. Boy, y'all want power. God, I hope you never get it. I hope the American people can see through this sham, that you knew about it and you held it. You had no intention of protecting Dr. Ford. None. She's as much of a victim as you are. Hey, it's, and this was a moment. I mean, it certainly was a moment because the fact is, that this was mob justice being brought to bear against Brett Kavanaugh. And Lindsey Graham stood up and said, no, there has to be some sort of process here. There has to be some sort of corroborative evidence. President Trump tweeted yesterday, and this was clearly, I think, written by staff, and it was a good tweet. He said, Judge Kavanaugh showed America exactly why I nominated him. His testimony was powerful, honest, and riveting. Democrats' search and destroy strategy is disgraceful, and this process has been a totally sham and effort to delay, obstruct, and resist. The Senate must vote. Okay, he's exactly right about all this. Now, how will the Senate vote in the end? How will, the, how will the Senate vote when it comes down to it? You know, there are some rumors today that, Joe, that, uh, that Donnelly, Joe Donnelly from, from Indiana, who is a Democrat, is going to vote against it. There were rumors yesterday that Donnelly was going to vote the same way as Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Susan Collins of Maine, and Manchin of West Virginia. But none of that is clear at this time. So it is, it is just not clear at this time. What is clear is that the Democratic outrage over all of this is just insane. It is just insane. Jill Filipovich who is a, a feminist. She's a, she wrote a book called The Feminist Pursuit of Happiness. She literally wrote a tweet this morning that says, divorce your Republican husbands. Divorce your Republican husbands. This is where the Democrats are going. Their actual implication here is that if you want corroborative evidence, it's because you hate women, you don't care about the accounts of women, and you're fine watching a rapist enter the Supreme Court. No one is fine watching a rapist enter the Supreme Court. But we must have corroborative evidence for allegations. We can't just say that an allegation on its own is enough to destroy a man, particularly when he gives credible evidence on the other side. It's not that this woman, it's not that Christine Blasey Ford has evidence and then he has evidence. It's that she has no evidence and then he has evidence. She has no evidence. Every witness she says was at the party, denies that it ever happened, denies remembering, says we don't remember this ever happening. Her best friend, Leland Kaiser, came forward and said, that she doesn't even know Brett Kavanaugh. And when asked about this, Christine Blasey Ford basically impeached her own best friend said, as a witness, basically said, my own best friend doesn't know what she's talking about. She has a health problem. I mean, that's pretty amazing stuff. And we're just going to ignore all that. I also want to talk in just a second about why corroborative evidence is necessary and why the Democratic line that you must believe all women is basically a load of tripe. We're going to talk about that in just one second. First, Let's talk about the possibility of emergency. I saw a video from Indonesia today about a tsunami hitting the Indo small Indonesian city. It was pretty shocking and frightening. And that's certainly true. Emergencies can hit anywhere. Natural disasters, man-made emergencies. 
And when that happens, you don't want to be left without anything in your home. You don't want to be the guy who's trying to surf through the streets to get to the grocery store and the shelves are all empty. Instead, you should be prepared in your home. Even the government says so. Go check out My Patriot Supply for dependable food storage. Each person in your household should have at least a two-week emergency food supply from My Patriot Supply. This week, they're offering a special price of only 75 bucks for a food kit that contains 92 servings of breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. Call 888-803-1413 or go to my special website, preparewithben.com. The food lasts up to 25 years in storage, only 75 bucks. That includes a rugged tote as well. Order now, 888-803-1413 or preparewithben.com. That's preparewithben.com, 888-803-1413. Fourteen, thirteen. when there's no power and refrigeration fails and stores close, you need to be prepared and your family should be prepared as well. Go check it out right now, 888-803-1413 or preparewithben.com. So the left is basically saying that if you don't quote unquote believe all women, this means that you're a bad person. They don't believe all women. No one should believe all women because women are not inherently more credible than men. They are not. And victims, by the way, are not always remembering things properly. So even if... Christine Blasey Ford is telling the truth. We need corroborative evidence because there's just no way to tell. There's no way to tell. She made some statements yesterday about the way that brain chemistry works and the way that memory works that are just flat out wrong. And it's actually important to note these things because this is why we need corroborative evidence. This is why we need some sort of detail. We need something that we can latch onto because witness testimony or victim testimony alone is not enough. It just isn't. Why? Because the data don't back that. Alan Dershowitz pointed this out yesterday. He said there is no empirical evidence supporting the gender-based political view that women who claim to have been sexually assaulted in alleged acquaintance rape situations tell the entire truth more often than men who are accused and deny the accusation. One report from the U.S. National Research Council explains eyewitnesses are notoriously unreliable. Quote, unknown to the individual, memories are forgotten, reconstructed, updated, and distorted. Elizabeth Loftus, who's a psychologist at University of Washington, says memories are, quote, more easily modified, for instance, when the passage of time allows the original memory to fade. It's 36 years later. False memories are, quote, constructed by combining actual memories with the content of suggestions received from others. In a small-scale study that Loftus performed, fully 25% of respondents remembered false events constructed for them. What about the notion that Ford was promoting? That indelible impressions are left when you experience a trauma? Research doesn't back that idea. According to a well-cited paper in Nature, findings from basic psychological research and neuroscience studies indicate memory is a reconstructive process that is susceptible to distortion. Furthermore, the commonly held belief among the general public that an eyewitness's confidence in the accuracy of his or her memory is a strong indicator in the actual accuracy of the memory is a myth. It's just not true. It's not true that because you believe that you're remembering something accurately, you are actually believing something you're remembering something accurately. Now, again, maybe Ford is remembering this accurately. I don't know, but you don't know either. And to simply say that Christine Blasey Ford's memory is enough to impeach and get rid of and destroy the life of Judge Kavanaugh requires you to throw out due process entirely. That's what it requires. It requires an end to due process. And listen, Democrats were never interested in due process from the very start of this. They were not interested at any point, at any point in due process. And you can, the, the proof was in the pudding. So Democrats in the committee hearing yesterday were just abysmal. First of all, if you thought this wasn't a circus, if you thought that this was folks taking things seriously, why was Alyssa Milano there? There were only about 35 seats in the audience, apparently. And yet right behind Brett Kavanaugh, there was actress Alyssa Milano from Charmed. There she was sitting right behind Brett Kavanaugh. Look at her. And she was sitting there making faces the entire time on camera behind Brett Kavanaugh. Why was she there? Because Dianne Feinstein invited her, the same woman who, quote unquote, did not leak. Christine Blasey Ford's testimony and her letter to the media, the same woman 
who held that letter for six weeks without actually asking any serious questions about it, invited a famous actress to sit in at the hearing specifically for publicity purposes. No, this wasn't political at all. It wasn't partisan hackery at all. Speaking of partisan hackery, Sheldon Whitehouse making a complete ass of himself. He's the Democrat senator from Rhode Island. He starts asking Judge Brett Kavanaugh yesterday about his yearbook because this is what we need to know. We need to know whether there's evidence from a yearbook that Judge Brett Kavanaugh was a serial rapist back when he was in high school. What is Sheldon Whitehouse's evidence? That Judge Brett Kavanaugh in his yearbook used the word boof, okay, which means to fart, apparently. This is what has become of the world's greatest deliberative body. Sheldon Whitehouse making a complete fool of himself. One is, Senator, what do you like? Judge, have you, I don't know if it's boofed or boofed. How do you pronounce that? That refers to flatulence. We were 16. Okay. (laughs) And so when uh, your friend Mark Judge said the same, put the same thing in his yearbook page back to you, he had the same meaning. It was flatulence. I don't know what he did, but that's my recollection. We want to talk about flatulence at age 16 on a yearbook page. I'm I'm game. Um, You mentioned, I think, the Renate or Renate, Renata. I don't know how you pronounce that. That's that's the proper name of an individual you know? Renata. Renata. Okay, and then he just continued with this line of questioning, making a complete idiot of himself. But it didn't stop there. Dianne Feinstein yesterday was put on the defensive by Kavanaugh. It was one of the great moments I've seen uh, in American political life, Feinstein, who's been slandering Kavanaugh, basically, from the bench. I don't mean in the legal sense, but she's been saying things about Kavanaugh that are unbased with vindictive force. She, she had to confront Kavanaugh, and Kavanaugh basically shredded her. Because there was one point here at which Kavanaugh was asked specifically about the Julie Swetnick allegations, clip five. And uh, she was asked about, he was asked about the, the allegations brought forward by Michael Avenatti, that he was a gang rapist. And here's how it went for Dianne Feinstein. And, and what you're saying, if, if I understand it, is that the allegations by Dr. Ford, Ms. Ramirez, and Ms. Fetnick, Swetnick um, are, are wrong. Yeah, that, that is emphatically what I'm saying. Emphatically. The Swetnick thing is a joke. That is a farce. Would you like to say more about it? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and good for Brett Kavanaugh. And Feinstein came out today and she said, I've never seen a nominee for any position behave in that manner. Judge Kavanaugh used as much political rhetoric as my Republican colleagues because you are all political hacks who tried to destroy his life. That's why it is perfectly appropriate for him to fight back in preservation of his family and his life. Feinstein, by the way, ended up dumping her own witness under the bus. She ended up dumping Ford under the bus. So she was asked yesterday about how did all of these letters end up in the possession of the, of the FBI and the media? How did, how did the media get a hold of these letters? Because remember, originally, Christine Blasey Ford sent a letter to Dianne Feinstein and said, I want you to keep this anonymous. And Dianne Feinstein then somehow, magically, disappears in the media. And Dianne Feinstein says, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. So who was it? If it wasn't Feinstein, there were only two other parties that had it. Anne Eshu of California, a representative, and Christine Blasey Ford herself. But Ford has said that she didn't leak this to the media. So here is Feinstein dumping Ford under the bus. Oh, I don't believe my staff would leak it. I have not asked that question directly, but do you, I do, do not believe do you know they that? would. I mean, how in the world could that get in the hands of the of the press? The answer is the people... no. The staff have you have said you asked your, not. have you asked your staff or other I staff members on the judiciary committee? They, 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 pardon me. Well, I, I, Jennifer well, reminds me I've asked her before about it. 
Well, somebody, and that's true. Well, somebody leaked it if it wasn't you. Well, it was, uh, I'm telling you, it was not, I did not. I mean, I was asked to keep it confidential. Okay, so and, she and says that, she, for that, that it wasn't, it, that it wasn't, it wasn't her, which means that it was somebody on Ford's team. So there she is dumping her own witness under the bus as a politically motivated actor who wanted to get this stuff into the media. Amazing, amazing stuff. Well, in just a second, we're going to talk about the rest of the Democratic response, which it just got worse from there. It just got worse from there. This is a political crap show of the highest order. I'm going to talk about the rest of it, why it's a sham, why they should hold the vote yesterday, why they should be done already. But first, let's talk about your Second Amendment rights. If you trust these jokers to protect your Second Amendment rights, you are out of your mind. These are folks who don't give a damn about any of your rights, but you should, and that's why you should be a member of the USCCA. Right now, the USCCA is giving away a free critical self-defense survival guide, and you can finally learn what to do when the smoke clears in case, God forbid, you actually have to use your gun in self-defense because you may be hailed as a hero or you may be treated as a criminal. Knowing exactly what you should and should not say to the police could mean the difference between freedom or jail. You can claim your free copy in seconds, and for a limited time, you'll also get a deadly force checklist. Just text the word GO to the number 87222 to get yours right now. Again, text the word GO to 87222 to get that free critical self-defense survival guide. And as an added bonus, you'll hear true stories of survival with their brand new shocking true stories of self-defense audiobook. That's three life-saving tools right now. Go check it out, 100% free, only available to my listeners until next week. Text GO to 87222 right now. That's GO to 87222 right now. And again, you get that free critical self-defense survival guide, the deadly force checklist, and the shocking true stories of self-defense audiobook. A lot of good stuff. Plus, you should be a member of the USECA anyway. They're doing great work. Text GO to 87222. Go check it out right now. I've never seen a spectacle quite like what we are seeing today. We've seen protesters inhabit the halls of the Senate. We saw protesters screaming at Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake is one of the most moderate members of the United States Senate. He said that he's going to vote for Brett Kavanaugh specifically because there's no corroborative evidence to rule Brett Kavanaugh out. He was confronted in elevators and told that he hates women, doesn't care about women, doesn't care if women get raped absolutely a lie, absolutely a sham, really disgusting. And you can see the Democratic rhetoric escalating. Now, you could see it happen yesterday when the Democrats, it turned out, had nothing. It turns out they had no actual facts to back the allegations made by Christine Blasey Ford. They had no specific questions that they asked Brett Kavanaugh, none of that. Instead, they just kept begging Kavanaugh over and over to call for an FBI investigation into himself. The real reason that he won't do that is because he understands, as does everyone else, the only reason Democrats are calling for an FBI investigation is because it will take minimum a couple of months, which brings us beyond the election, which is all that Democrats want. They just want this pushed off beyond the election so that there can be a a new Senate that is impaneled, at which point Kavanaugh doesn't get approved even if he's innocent. And then they just hold the seat open until after Trump is president. That is their entire goal here, as Lindsey Graham said. But here was Kamala Harris and Dick Durbin pretending that it was really all just about, why won't you ask for an FBI investigation? Here's why this is so stupid. Here's what an FBI investigation does. They ask a bunch of witnesses a bunch of questions. Those are sworn oaths, right, under a 302. You know who else can do that? Members of the Senate. They can get people to testify. And they don't need majority help. Kamala Harris can ask for the testimony of Mark Judge now. In fact, they were lying yesterday. Democrats said, Republicans haven't talked to Mark Judge. Lies. Republicans did talk to Mark Judge. Democrats boycotted the actual hearing with Mark Judge. Not a hearing, but the actual interview with Mark Judge because they didn't want to lend credibility to the actual interview with Mark Judge. This is all political gamesmanship of the most disgusting magnitude. Here's Kamala Harris, though, who wants to run for president in 2020. She walked out of the Judiciary Committee vote this morning, and she uh, held hands with Maisie Hirono because women unite. Here is 
Harris yesterday pressing on the FBI investigation point. The FBI would gather witness statements. You have Sir, the witness it's, it's, statements. It's, it, don't not, make- I don't want to debate with you how they do their business. I'm just asking, are you willing to ask the White House to conduct such an investigation? Because- the witness testimony is before you. No witness who was there supports that I was there. Okay, I'm going to take that as a no and we can move on. Okay, I'm going to take that as a no that you're not going to call for an FBI investigation. He doesn't have the power to initiate an FBI investigation. The Senate has investigative powers. The Senate Judiciary Committee has the power to investigate. That's why Ford was there yesterday under oath. This whole thing is ridiculous. It got even more ridiculous, though, because it didn't stop there. Brett Kavanaugh responded angrily when he was accused of rape. Ooh, that's bad. He can't respond angrily when he is accused of rape. Instead, he is supposed to respond with a completely placid demeanor, at which point Democrats call him robotic and a fake. That's how this is supposed to work. If Brett Kavanaugh gets angry, it's because he's guilty. And if he doesn't get angry, it's also because he's guilty. Ted Lieu essentially tweeted that out yesterday, our execrable congressperson from here in California. He tweeted out, if Brett Kavanaugh can be this angry on national TV, imagine what he's like when he gets inebriated. So in other words, I accuse you of rape. You get angry. That means you're probably an angry drunk. That probably means 36 years ago you raped a girl. That's the chain of logic there. That is the chain of logic being used by a sitting congressperson. And it wasn't just Ted Lieu. It was ridiculous disgrace Brian Schatz, the senator from Hawaii. He tweeted out, it's hard to imagine this person being objective and fair on the Supreme Court. Is it though? He spent years on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Is it possible you might be pissed if I accused you of rape? Is it possible you might not appear objective and fair if I accused you of rape and you came back at me and you said you're, you're a bleep? What? But you're not being objective and fair to me. Right, because you just accused me of rape. It's probably that. And it wasn't just those. Senator Jeff Merkley is 26. Jeff Merkley tweeted something similar out. He said, Brett Kavanaugh showed himself today to be a partisan hack in a robe, utterly lacking the temperament to be a justice of the Supreme Court. And his repeated refusal to request an FBI investigation speaks volumes. A partisan hack in a robe? Again, you'd have something in his actual record to support that if you cared to look. But instead, you're just going to call him a partisan hack after it's, I mean, this is, this is gaslighting at its finest. This is when you have a younger sibling and you take your younger sibling's hand and you hit your younger sibling in the face and you go, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself. This is exactly what Democrats are doing here. Democrats are saying, you are a gang rapist. You are, a, you are a, an alleged rapist of a 15-year-old girl 36 years ago at an unnamed party, at an unnamed location, at an unnamed date. That's you. And then if you get mad, that just shows you're a partisan hack. If you say that, you're only, that I'm only doing that for partisan purposes, Well, that shows that you, sir, are the real partisan. You wonder why people are going nuts? Because you're gaslighting them, which is deliberately designed to make people go nuts. That's what gaslighting is. Gaslighting is where you tell somebody something not true, and then when they respond to the untruth, you blame them for responding to the untruth. That's what's going on here. Honest to God, Democrats stoop pretty low sometimes, but to protect abortion, which is what this is really about, this is as low as I've ever seen anyone stoop, anyone, Kristen Gillibrand comes forward, who, as you will recall, said that if Brett Kavanaugh doesn't call for an FBI investigation of himself, that means he's guilty. She came forward and she says she was offended how Kavanaugh spoke to senators. So she proclaims that he is basically a rapist. And then she comes forward and says she's offended by his response. Honest to God, if I'd been Brett Kavanaugh yesterday, I would have come in birds flying. I mean, I would have just flipped off the entire, I would have walked in there and flip them off. I would have dropped 80,000 F-bombs. I, I, would have, I would have been so much more colorful than Brett Kavanaugh was yesterday. The fact that Brett Kavanaugh was as contained as he was is a shock. It's a shock. But Kirsten Gillibrand says, 
No one should treat senators this way. Gonna hide behind that senator title after slandering a man. Amazing stuff. The way he talked, he was so uh, arrogant in how he spoke to senators uh, and, and dismissive. Uh, I, was, I was really um, offended by how he behaved at the hearing. Oh, no, we're not offended by Kristen Gillibrand. We're not offended by Dianne Feinstein hiding a story of rape for six weeks so that she could get away with pushing Brett Kavanaugh off the court. Just absurd. Just absurd. Okay, the, the, the most absurd, of course, is from ex-Senator Barbara Boxer, who used to be officially the stupidest woman in the United States Senate. You know, she, she, now she's no longer in the United States Senate. She's been replaced by Kamala Harris, and so now there's a running gun battle for stupidest woman in the United States Senate, uh, who may not, in fact, be stupidest person in the United States Senate. Sheldon Whitehouse is definitely up for that honor. But in any case, Barbara Boxer, who used to be the stupidest woman in the United States Senate, she says that Brett Kavanaugh, you could actually see him attacking a woman because he was sitting there getting angry that people were accusing him of attacking a woman. All of a sudden, we see a man transformed from a choir boy who up to now has said, after hours in front of the committee, he lived this very perfect life. All of a sudden, his anger is triggered. And what we saw today is someone who you could now see attacking a woman. It, it's very frightening. Yes, that was clearly what happened there. If I accuse you of rape and you get mad, then clearly you're, a you're the kind of person who would attack a woman. I mean, this is legitimately a witch hunt kind of thing. This is legitimately a, a if you, we throw you in the river and you sink, that means you are innocent. And if you float, that means you're guilty and we burn you at the stake. That's what this is. If he gets mad, it's because he's guilty. If he doesn't get mad, it's because he's insincere. What's even worse than the Democrats, you can expect to do all this sort of nonsense, are the members of the media. I mean, the media coverage of this was just egregious. They are so partisan. They are so open in their partisanship. It is truly an astonishing, astonishing thing to watch. And, and the mask is off. I mean, you wonder why. I hope Republican turnout is amazing in six weeks. I hope Republican turnout is just unending. I hope you bring all your friends to vote because these folks cannot have power. These folks cannot be given power. If these folks have power, they will use it to run you and your rights off the ground. That is what they are doing here. They were willing to destroy a man's life and family based on an unverifiable allegation. What do you think they're willing to do to you for political gain? What do you think they're willing to do to your rights for political gain? This is the most cynical, partisan, disgusting hackery I've ever seen in my entire life. It's just abysmal. And the media, complicit in it at every step of the way because the media have demonstrated that they are, in fact, democratic outlets. I'm a guy who's criticized President Trump for saying that the media are fake news. But to this week, they proved that they were partisan hacks in objective news journalist sheep's clothing. They showed it over and over again. I'll explain in just a second. But first, you're going to have to go over to Daily Wire and subscribe. For $9.99 a month, you can get a subscription to Daily Wire. It means you get the rest of this show live, the rest of Andrew Clavin's show live, the rest of Michael Moles' show live, the rest of Matt Walsh's show live, all sorts of goodies. Plus, you get to be part of the mailbag. Yesterday, we did a second live show, and I took questions from our subscribers only. You can do that sort of thing if you are a subscriber. So go check it out right now. Also, subscribe at YouTube or iTunes, and that ensures that you're going to be able to actually get our Sunday special. Uh, which uh, who, it's Cameron Caskey this Sunday. And then we have a bunch of great ones coming up as well. So go check that out. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast in the nation. I'm going to show you some of the media treatment of all of this. Now, we're going to start with some of the quote unquote objective media, and then we'll get to the non-objective media because the non-objective media are Democrat hacks are basically Democrat hacks. And I want to discuss their point of view. But let's start with the folks who are supposed to be objective. So we begin with John King of CNN. 
So John King of CNN yesterday, he comes out and he says, Brett Kavanaugh went full Trump, which is the worst thing you can say about anyone on CNN. He went full Trump. Or alternatively, Brett Kavanaugh was legitimately defending himself against charges that he believes are false against him. But if you're angry at any point, then you're Trumpian. And if you're not angry, it's because you're not authentic. Authentic emotion. Uh, my favorite meme this week, uh, today was, was Maggie Haberman over at the New York Times. Maggie Haberman at the New York Times tweeted something out like, if you had ever seen a Democrat get angry and upset and yelling and crying and being mean with senators, if you've ever seen a Democratic woman like that, they would have been run out of town on a rail. Really? I remember someone named Hillary Clinton who went in front of the Senate committee on Benghazi and, and, and said that she it didn't really matter. Right. What difference does it make how things went down in Benghazi? What difference does it make why the protests happened in the first place? Yelling at senators, being as militant and nasty as humanly possible. And the Democrats cheered her. Still, she persisted. It's just nonsense. But here is John King doing the same routine. Brett Kavanaugh is obviously just like Donald Trump. The implication being, of course, that he's just as guilty as Donald Trump on matter sexual. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh went full Trump today. Mm -hmm. and, and does that appeal to them or does it repulse them? And if they, because they don't like Trump, they don't. The re, they, of those four key senators, they are repulsed not only by this president, by how he conducts himself, by his history. So does Kavanaugh's embrace of Trump help him? Just it just insane. John Bresnahan of Politico, a supposedly objective journalist over at Politico, he tweets out this indignant, angry attitude is not good for Kavanaugh. Really, isn't it? And then we had the Washington, Brian Stelter, right? A supposedly objective journalist on CNN. He quotes a piece from the Washington Post. Today in America, this was men against women, right against left, a cascade of recrimination, explosions of anger, hours of tears and sobs. Was it men against women? Or is that the narrative the media wants to portray? My producer, Senya, turns out she is a woman. Okay, and my producer, Senya, was miffed yesterday. I mean, angry yesterday over the treatment of Brett Kavanaugh. And I... I Honestly, I've rarely seen so many Republican women angry at the treatment of anyone. We have a lot of women who work in this office, a lot of women who work in this office. They were glued to the screen and they were indignant at the way Brett Kavanaugh was treated yesterday. Because it turns out a lot of these women have husbands, have sons. A lot of them are looking at the way men are being treated by the militant feminists and the, and the radical members of the Me Too movement. And they're saying, I can't live in a country like this. I want people protected. Yes, I like men and I want men protected too. They are still American citizens, even if they have penises. It turns out there are a lot of women who still believe in due process and the rights of the accused. There's still a lot of women who don't like to watch partisan hackery substituted for any sort of knowledge. It's just, it's an amazing thing. The Washington Post had this headline. Kavanaugh's sexual assault hearing turns partisan as Republican senators lash out at treatment of Supreme Court nominee. It wasn't partisan before that. It wasn't partisan when Dianne Feinstein held up an actual accusation of alleged rape back in 1982 for six weeks for her own purposes. Now it's partisan. Only now it got partisan. You know, this is the famous Republicans pounce meme that you see from the media all the time. Every time Democrats do something bad and Republicans respond, it's Republicans pounce. And NBC News tweeted this. This was their headline. Conservative media dedicate blanket coverage to Ford hearing. How is that even a headline? 30 million people watched the hearing yesterday. Everyone dedicated blanket coverage to Ford hearing. I, for example, was watching some of the coverage on MSNBC. It turns out everyone dedicated blanket coverage to the Ford hearing. These are the objective news media. And then we get to the complete fools in the quote-unquote non-objective news media. There's people be like Luke Russert. Luke Russert tweeted this out. So he, he tweeted out, oh boy, Kavanaugh is going full, angry, belittled, marginalized white man. Tough sell for today. 
Or alternatively, he believes he was falsely accused of an attempted rape and he was mad about it. But no, he's white, so he can't talk. He's a man, so he can't talk. Basically, he's supposed to sit there and take all this. I can't wait to show you what Jennifer Rubin had to say. You know, get to that in just a second. So Jennifer Rubin is the quote-unquote conservative columnist over at the Washington Post, which is just absurd. I think they recently finally changed that because it is obvious that Jennifer Rubin is the hack of all hacks. If you go back and look at what she wrote about Mitt Romney in 2012 versus what she has written about Mitt Romney today, she's reversed herself on virtually every position because Trump legitimately drove her out of her mind. And she proved that with this tweet yesterday. Quote, with him screaming and interrupting senators, I could imagine him putting his hand over someone's mouth. Yes, you see, he was mean to senators calling him a rapist. And that means that you can imagine him putting his hand over a woman's mouth while attempting to rape her. Well, weird, because after reading that tweet, I can imagine Jennifer Rubin ranting in an insane asylum as someone tries to catch her with a butterfly net as she runs around in a straitjacket. Doesn't take much of a leap for me to get there, actually. But this, this was the entire shtick up and down yesterday, over and over yesterday. And then you finally get to the real nub of the matter. And the nub of the matter, I think, was brought forth by Stephen Colbert. So Stephen Colbert has given up comedy. Now he just does unfunny political commentary. You know, I, am a, I am a political commentator who is at moments funny. Stephen Colbert basically is now in my lane. Right? He used to be a comedian who's sometimes political. Now he's a political commentator who's occasionally funny. Here he was yesterday being completely unfunny about the Kavanaugh hearings, but spilling the beans on what the real agenda here is for Democrats. And the wind was sown when Donald Trump had 19 credible allegations of sexual assault against him, bragged about sexual assault on tape. And your Republican buddies up on that committee said, yeah, but we want our guy on the Supreme Court. And that's you, Brett. That doesn't mean you're guilty, but please save your indignation that finally someone is taking one woman's accusation of sexual assault seriously. Okay, so... I mean, that's an amazing statement. So Brett Kavanaugh has no right to be outraged. None. No right to be outraged because people didn't take the allegations against Trump seriously. So in other words, Republicans voted for Trump despite the allegations. That means that if we leverage completely baseless charges, evidence-free charges, except for the allegation itself, if we leverage those allegations against Kavanaugh, he has no right to be mad because Republicans weren't mad when actual charges were leveraged against Trump. You understand? So Trump was guilty. Therefore, Kavanaugh shouldn't be mad that he's being railroaded. What in the... F how is that... How is that even remotely logical? It isn't. And he got cheers for it. He got cheers for it. All this is a petty revenge play. People are angry that Trump is president. People are angry that Merrick Garland isn't on the court. People are angry that there will be five Republican people, who Republican-appointed conservatives on the court. They're upset about that. And therefore, they are fine with anything that gets thrown at these guys. Anything. This is a show trial. This is a Dreyfus affair type thing. For folks who don't know the Dreyfus affair, back in 1892 France, there was an attempt by French nationalists to railroad a member of the French military named Alfred Dreyfus, a Jew. It was an anti-Semitic attempt to suggest that he was funneling documents to the Austro-Hungarian Empire. He was not, but it turned into a cause celeb anyway. A political purposes infect, infect situations like this. And it is obvious that for Democrats, it has infected situations like this. It's just, it's, it's maddening. It's maddening. And that's why Republicans are saying, just vote on this thing. You know what? Done. Let's vote on this. Let's be done with this. I'm sick of it. It doesn't matter what you do. You can have an FBI hearing tomorrow. Everybody could testify to exactly the same thing they've already testified to. Everybody could already come forward and say that Kavanaugh is completely innocent. We can do all of that, any of it and all of it we could do. 
And it wouldn't matter one damn for these Democrats. It wouldn't matter one, one iota, for the, one atom for these Democrats. Nothing. They would not care. All this is about is petty revenge. And if they have to tear down a man based on a bunch of fraudulent allegations and a credible allegation with no corroborative evidence, they will do it. They will do it. And they will do it to anyone. If they'll do it to Brett Kavanaugh, they'll do it to you. They'll do it to me. They will do it to anyone. And it's amazing. There, there are so many people out there who are saying we need a new unity in this country. You can't have unity when you don't have basic agreement on standards of due process. I mean, these are the basics of Western civilization. And we are seeing them thrown out in favor of sheer partisan brutality on the part of the left. I've ripped it when I've seen it from the right. I ripped it when I saw the, the associations with the alt-right of the Trump campaign. And I will rip it when I see it from the left. And today, what you're seeing is the mainstream Democratic Party embracing their worst instincts, embracing the worst angels of their nature, the devils of their nature, in order to get what they want. And it is, it is disgusting and awe-inspiring to watch. It is, it is just incredible. No, matter, no, no wonder so many people are angry. Vote on Kavanaugh, put him on the Supreme Court, and let's be done with this sham. Let's do it now. All righty. So we'll do a few questions from the mailbag since we sort of Ran out of time on, on the mailbag, but we'll do a few questions for, for our subscribers anyway. So, Alexander asks, Shalom, is the intellectual dark web, you, Rogan, Ruben, Harris, Hoff Summers, Brothers Weinstein, sufficient to develop a well-rounded worldview? After watching your take on the Kavanaugh hearing, I wanted to get another viewpoint from the left just to balance things out. Unfortunately, what I found that was that every left-leaning source seemed deeply pretentious, thumbing their nose at facts while championing subjective feelings, specifically NPR, Pod Save America, The Young Turks. Basically, I feel myself becoming more and more partisan, and I wanted to know if I should just let it happen or keep fighting for some kind of middle ground. Thanks for everything you do. Well, you know, this is an interesting question because there are a bunch of people on the intellectual dark web, particularly Sam Harris and Eric Weinstein, who disagree with me sharply on Kavanaugh. I actually had an exchange with Sam Harris on Twitter yesterday about Kavanaugh. What the intellectual dark web is good for is the idea that we can actually have conversations about difficult topics, but it does not mean we agree on things. It does not mean we agree on things, not by a long shot. I have significant disagreements with Sam Harris. I have significant disagreements with Eric Weinstein. That's fine. All of that is good. All of that is okay. The purpose of the intellectual dark web is to provide a forum for well-reasoned and argued conversations, and that, I think, is useful. Does that mean that partisan differences go away? No. But the difference between the partisans of the IDW, I hope, and people who are outside the IDW is that people inside the IDW are trying not to make intellectually incoherent arguments. With that said... If you're looking for a coherent worldview from the IDW, I don't think that's, I think that's asking too much. I don't think that's what this is. I think that the dark web is like any other forum. I think it is more of a forum with a few values in common, like belief in free speech and a, a huge variety of differences on matters substantive. And I think people ought to keep that in mind. It's not like we all get together and we agree on everything or even close to it. Nicole says, please enlighten me as to how you keep your emotions in check during this despicable circus. My blood is boiling, but I try to stay quiet because I know if I speak up, I will probably blow with anger. Thank you, Nicole. Listen, I'm having a tough time. I'll be honest with you. I mean, this is the most emotional I've felt about politics in a long time. Uh, and that is just because it is exactly, as you call it, a despicable circus. I think that you know, keeping your emotions in check is mostly a matter of, of being at a remove. It's harder to be at a remove when you watch people make intellectual, not only intellectually incoherent arguments, but morally despicable arguments. Joe Filipovich, delete, divorce your Republican husbands. Honestly, gentlemen, don't marry radical feminists in the first place. That is the proper response to that. But I mean, how do you keep your emotions in check? That's why, listen, I'm a human being just like anybody else. I try to present as many facts as I can. I hope that those facts are convincing to you. 
I'm not going to pretend I don't get emotional about subjects, but I hope that those emotions are not dispositive because I don't think that emotions should be dispositive. Hal says, Ben, what are your biggest pet peeves besides your wife losing her phone? Yeah, I know. I got a lot of play off of that story about my wife losing her phone. Uh, that, is definitely, that, that is definitely one of them. The truth is that most pet peeves are my own fault, I think. Uh, it, it's mostly stuff where I have expectations of people and the expectations are unjustified. Uh, my wife losing her phone is probably the biggest one, honestly. Uh, I'm, try- I'm trying to think of other pet peeves. I mean, obviously, like, they're moral pet peeves. That I have just pet peeves with politics in general. I have pet peeves with Twitter. I have pet peeves with social media. But in terms of kind of interpersonal relations, okay, so a couple of them. When people say, can I just have a minute of your time and I'm in the middle of work, that's a pet peeve because the answer is no, you can't because it's not actually a minute. It's more like 15. I've said this before. It takes me seven minutes to get out of what I'm doing, seven minutes to get back into what I'm doing, and it's a problem. And so that one is not great. Uh, the, the Let's see, other ones interpersonally. Uh, if I So there are times where I will ask my wife, I need like 15 minutes to do something. Can you watch the kids? And she'll be doing her best and she'll be watching one. And then my two and a half year old son comes busting through the door. Now, Colton is sitting in the room. Colton has seen my two and a half year old son. My two and a half year old son is a nut. Okay, my two and a half year old son, he's the most charming, beautiful, wonderful kid. And he is totally crazy. He is totally a crazy person. Colton was on a flight from Sacramento to LA with me and my two kids and my wife because we just ended up on the same flight back the other day. And he watched as my son lost his bleep for a full 35 minutes on the descent into Los Angeles because he wouldn't sit his little ass down in the buckle. He just wouldn't. He stood up. He was trying to stand because he was obsessed with the lights above the, above the seats. And he, and he actually would take down the, the tray table. And then he would stand on the tray table and then hit all the buttons. And then he'd get mad if you took him down and he would scream like a banshee. And then and my wife would try to appease him by giving him chocolate. So now he's covered in chocolate and he's got his hands all full of chocolate and he's struggling against me. And this little sucker's strong. I mean, he's like a ball of muscle. And you're trying to muscle him into his seat as he is screaming <laughs> so that he doesn't. I'm, and I'm like, kid, you're going to like if we crash, we're, you're going to die. Like, just sit down. Just sit down. You can't reason with a two and a half year old. In any case, sometimes my wife loses containment of the children. The quarantine ends. And I'm sitting in the library working and suddenly the kid busts through the door and just jumps on my back. And it's too cute for my wife to do anything about it, but I actually need her to do something about it. And it doesn't happen. So that, that is a pet peeve, but that's honestly not her fault. It happens sometimes. Again, most disappointments and pet peeves come from you have a, having expectations of other people that are unfulfilled. One solution is to not have expectations of other people that are unjustified. Lee says, Dear Ben, if Kavanaugh backs down from the court position or is found unfit, do you think Amy Barrett, if nominated, will be attacked like him for being a Christian and pro-life? Or do you think people will back off because she's a woman? No, they'll murder her. They'll murder her. They will send her to the murder hole. That's what will happen. Everybody knew this going in, which is why I said he should nominate a Coney Barrett. She was the most right-wing choice that I could see, the most constitutionalist choice that I could see. And I wanted to see them attack a woman for her Catholic beliefs, a mother of seven who sits on a federal circuit court. I thought that would have been a lot better optics. That said, should Kavanaugh be seated? Of course he should be seated. Blake says, hey, Ben. You noted the possibility of a civil war in the next 50 to 100 years. Do you think the timeline is sped up after these hearings? Thank you for all you do. God bless. It's hard not to feel like the timeline is sped up, right? I mean, it looks like now, like, would you be surprised if tomorrow a senator gets shot in the Darkson building? Would that be completely surprising to you? In the aftermath of all these protesters who are showing up and screaming at people and getting in their face and throwing Ted Cruz out of restaurants, would it be totally, I mean, we had baseball, we we had a bunch of Congress people shot last year. Would it be all that shocking if somebody shot a senator? or tried to take a pot shot at President Trump. 
Would that be completely shocking? I don't think so. The real question is whether there are massive leftists who are actually willing to get violent, like a real massive leftist willing to get violent. My inclination so far is no, that it's a lot of talk, but that sort of thing can change over time. And it can certainly change from the other point of view. If Democrats ever get in charge of power and they start trying to say, take away guns in Texas, things could get violent very quickly in this country. If they start telling religious people that religious people have to shut down their schools, shut down their churches because they won't abide by social strictures promulgated by the left, things could get really bad really fast. So yeah, I mean, it's hard not to watch this week and feel like we're five seconds from chaos. John Michael says, hey Ben, not that Democrats are interested in anything other than delay. Are, are, there mechanisms, are there mechanisms for delaying elections in the United States? If the elections were delayed, would you support a more thorough investigation into Kavanaugh? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I don't know what a more thorough investigation looks like. He's had six FBI background checks at this point. All the people who have been questioned have been questioned. I don't mind a more thorough investigation, but if time were not a consideration, would I have like significant objections to an FBI investigation? Probably not, but it's also, at this point, a balancing act between the fact I don't think an FBI investigation is likely to do anything and the fact that the reason Democrats are calling for it is specifically so it doesn't do anything. Okay, final question here. Christopher says, you said corroborating evidence at least a dozen times in the last episode. What exactly would such evidence look like in the case of Dr. Ford's accusation? Okay, here's what it would look like. It would look like, like she says there are four boys and one other girl there. It would look like any of those four people saying this happened. That's what corroborating evidence would look like. It would look like somebody saying, yeah, I picked her up from a party. She was crying and, and hysterical. It would look like somebody saying, I dropped her off at the party. It would look like somebody saying, yeah, she told me about it the next day. It was really awful. It would look like her saying anything for 30 years, any shred of corroborating evidence. I heard about a party that happened and something really went wrong. And I heard Ford was there. And I heard Kavanaugh was there. Like anything. There is not one shred of corroborative evidence. Nothing. We don't even know the house where this took place. I mean, this is, that's what I mean by corroborative evidence. I don't think any of those things are too much to ask, by the way. Every single allegation made about Kavanaugh to this point supposedly happening in public, right? Supposedly happened in a public setting with other witnesses. Not one witness has come forward and said they saw this stuff happen. Not one. That's kind of telling. All righty, so time for a quick thing I like and then a thing I hate and then we will break for the weekend. Now, I got to warn you guys, next week, Final Jewish holidays, I promise, I promise. God's calendar finally coming to an end. Uh, so I'm off Monday and Tuesday for the last time this year until Christmas break. Uh, so just the warning now. So listen to this episode three times because basically I don't know that much is going to change except I think Kavanaugh will probably get confirmed. But we'll be back here next Wednesday. But here's let's do some things I like and some things. Oh, yeah, and also you can check out what I think on Sunday because we're doing the, the Ben Shapiro election special on Fox News. So if you miss me that much, we have a Sunday special on Sunday and the Ben Shapiro election special on Sunday on Fox News. So you won't miss me that much. I'll only be gone for a couple of days. But let's do a thing I like and a thing that I hate. So here's the, here's the thing that I like today. Uh, the, there's a, a, it's not a great movie, but it's a fun movie. The movie is Scent of a Woman with Al Pacino. It is, it is Al Pacino at his Pacino-iest. So Al Pacino started off as a good actor, and then he just became Al Pacino. So if you watch him in The Godfather, he's actually subtle. And then about halfway through his career, he was like, you know what? Screw subtle. This is just not a thing I'm interested in. It happens with a lot of actors where they fall in love with the, with the actoriness of them, where suddenly they turn into John Lovitz. Acting! Right? And Al Pacino definitely does that. He won an Oscar for this, which is kind of ridiculous. But the movie itself is kind of fun. It's really stupid, but it's kind of fun. The basic premise is that Chris O'Donnell plays a kid in a prep school, and a couple of his classmates play a prank on the headmaster, and he's asked about it, and he won't rat on them. And he is tasked with driving around this blind general uh, to, uh, to kind of his final wishes before this blind general is going to 
commit suicide. That's that's basically the plot of the movie. Um, and there's only one scene that, that comes to mind this week, and that is there's a, a scene near the end of the movie where Al Pacino is testifying on behalf of this kid. They basically have a hearing into the prank, and Al Pacino basically goes off on the school. And it's pretty reminiscent of kind of what happened in court yesterday with, with in the Judiciary Committee with, with Kavanaugh. Anyway, here's a little bit of the preview. Hi, Mrs. Rossi. I'm here about the weekend job. Come on in. They put him in a veteran's home, but he hated it. Colonel's a gentleman. A real hero. This is some guy. Down deep, the man is a lump of sugar. Get in here, you idiot. What do you want? I mean, what do I want? What do you want here? I want, I want a job. A job. It's easy Al Pacino, Al Pacino. Um, it's, it's, the, the movie is fun. It's worth watching. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate because I hate everything this week. So, uh, so Hillary Clinton uh, is irrelevant. No one cares about her. She was a terrible candidate. She is not a good human, in my opinion. Uh, and Hillary Clinton is being brought back by the folks at NBC for a cameo on a show that never should have been remade. Namely, the, is this on CBS or NBC? It's CBS, CBS. Uh, the, the show is Murphy Brown. I don't know why we are bringing back Murphy Brown. We've run out of all ideas. Uh, so Candace Bergen, who is now approximately 97 years old, is back in the starring role as Murphy Brown, when in reality, this would never happen because let's be real about the news industry and CBS and NBC. They'd fire every woman at 60 except for Barbara Walters. I mean, this is the, 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 like <laughs> first problem. I'm having a tough time with the believability. In any case, Murphy Brown is there and she and, and suddenly Hillary Clinton shows up to interview as her secretary. This is maybe the most spine-chillingly boring segment of television you have ever seen. And it reminds you why Hillary Clinton is not president because my God, woman, as somebody who has no capacity to act, I mean, I, I, I'm an awful actor. It's, it's a joke around the office. Every time we cut a promo, Every time, we, every time we do a bit, we have to cut around me. I'm like a child actor. We take like seven takes of me, and then we cut it in, right? So that, so that oh, look, it's a reaction shot, right? It's a, it really is that bad. I'm an awful, awful actor. So I speak from experience. Hillary Clinton makes me look like Lawrence Olivier. I mean, she is just, I'm like Daniel Day-Lewis compared to this lady. She is just astonishingly awful. Here she is doing co- alleged comedy, alleged comedy uh, with, with, can't with Candace Bergen and Murphy. My goodness. I, I guess you've heard this is a pretty demanding job. I have. Your reputation precedes you. But I want you to know I'm not afraid of hard work. I'm qualified and ready on day one. And I also assume you've had previous secretarial experience. Absolutely. For four years, I was the secretary. Uh, I was the secretary of a very large organization. And you have all the requisite skills, computer, email. Emails. I I do have some experience with emails. Let me give you my card. Thank you. Thank you. Hillary at youcouldahadme.com. Okay, worst cameo I have ever seen in my life. Like, she she has no sense of timing. Like, it's not that the dialogue is bad, because if she actually had a sense of timing, then it might be funny. But her sense of timing is basically she just says a line. She is, she's, the most mechanical, she's the most mechanical candidate. She's a mechanical actor. It reminds us why she's not president, which I'm very thankful for. I can't say our country is, uh, is in good shape, but I can still say at least she's not president, right? I mean, ay, ay, ay. 
Okay, well, we will be back here on, on Wednesday. Again, watch the Fox News Sunday special, uh, our Fox News Sunday special, um, which is the, the Ben Shapiro election special on Fox. It's at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Go check that out on Sunday in case you're going to miss me too much over the weekend. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you back here on Wednesday. We'll see you then. Try not to ruin things further. I mean, God, if I come back after the holiday and the world is just on fire, well, I guess that would be like a normal Wednesday around here. We'll be back there then. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Senya Villarreal. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Caramina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? At five weeks, it can be heard on ultrasound. In some cases, the heartbeat can be the baby's only defense in the womb, which is where preborn steps in. Preborn rescues 200 babies every day from abortion simply by providing moms with free ultrasounds that allow her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just 28 bucks, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. If you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you helped to rescue. All gifts are tax deductible. 100% of your gift donation goes toward saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Ben. That's preborn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Preborn.com slash Ben. It's the best thing you're going to do today or maybe ever. Dial pound 250, say keyword baby. Start saving children today.